This is from our gospel reading, verse 22. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? I think for a lot of us, that's the question. I mean, wouldn't it be easier if Jesus just made himself very obvious? Imagine, for example, if during a televised national address uh, by Prime Minister Trudeau, Jesus suddenly appeared in power and he said, Hey guys, I'm Jesus. I'm real. The Bible is completely true. Only Christianity is the way to me, God. So believe in me. And then he snapped his fingers and immediately poverty and sickness and even death were solved. Wouldn't that be easier? I mean, that's what Judas was asking for. And I think most of us would probably appreciate that clarity. Right? No more of this messy faith stuff. Facts that we can all agree on. I think that really we vibe with, uh, with Judas. But at first glance, it seems that Jesus doesn't give Judas what he's asking for. Right? He doesn't explore in power and divinity. He has a conversation with him. So I think it's important for us to spend some time reflecting on, trying to understand what Jesus is sharing with Judas, because really he's sharing it with us. So first, I want us to notice what this passage says about that question. And it says, if in your heart, or even out loud, you've wanted for Jesus to show himself the way that Judas was asking, if you've wanted that, that's okay. That's okay. Notice that it's made clear in the reading that the Judas that asked the question isn't Judas Iscariot, right? So the question isn't being undermined by the traitor, right? The, the question isn't being impugned by Judas, Judas Iscariot's reputation. One of Jesus' honest followers asks him if he could make it more clear that he is who he says he is. And Jesus doesn't denounce the question. I think it's an understandable question when you're following Jesus. The journey of faith can be really challenging. And sometimes we just want to know. So it's okay. But the important thing is, what does Jesus say in response? What does Jesus answer? Well, this is verse 23. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. To love and to make a home. These, this is a deeply relational answer. Jesus is making it clear that God is not primarily interested in mere belief. God is not interested in being just another fact In our conceptual tool bin, God wants to make a home with us to be in a relationship of love with us. God isn't fundamentally uh, fundamentally a fact to be exhaustively known. God is a person. God is a relational being. and God wants to be in a relationship of love with you. You know, as, um, as some of you know, 
I've been meeting with some friends every Sunday at my home for a kind of a homebrewed alpha where we spend the afternoon discussing the big questions of life. And the other day, we ended up in deep waters. Um, I don't know what we were talking about in the end, but it got really serious. And all of a sudden, they started asking me about the second coming of Jesus. And they asked me, wait, do you actually, Seth, do you actually believe that Jesus is literally coming back at some point in the future? And when they asked me that, there was a second there where I paused and I felt really nervous. I was like, oh man, how am I going to answer this? Because, well, I do believe that. I actually do believe that Jesus is coming back. But I also know that that's a really, at any time, that's a really weird belief to have. It can feel weird. Right? And in the church, we get really used to that idea. Every, every Sunday, Apostles' Creed. People outside the church, are not, they're not Christians who I'm talking to. It could sound odd, so I felt nervous. I'm just letting you know. Confession time, I guess. But I paused. Like, no, wait a minute. I do believe this. I think this is true. And so I let them know. Yeah, you know what? I do believe that. And let's talk about it. And it was a, it was a great conversation. But my one friend, she wasn't sure she was on board, on board of this idea of Jesus coming back to judge the world. And she let me know if we're going to be judged, it wasn't fair that God was so hidden. Right? Why not make himself more obvious? So she asked that question. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. My mind started going, like, what I'm going to say here, you know, priest in the room type thing. But then to my astonishment and deep delight, my other friend, he gave a wonderful and inspired reply. Again, they're not Christians. They don't identify as Christians. It's not their tradition. But this is what my friend said. He said, even if God made himself more obvious, it's not inevitable that we would trust him. And I think he nailed it. I think that's 100% the wave. I mean, I want us to think about it. If God suddenly made himself more obvious, Right? Let's say in the sky, like the New Testament exploded, like some key texts from the Bible in all languages for everyone to understand. And then Jesus suddenly appeared, you know, with his full divinity, like making fishes appear and healing people. Like, what do you think would happen? Think about it. You know what I think? We would be daunted. Some people, I think, would probably become Christians motivated by fear. Not because they were persuaded in good faith. Not because they found Jesus beautiful, it would be fear. And a relationship based on fear, well, you can't have love. You know, that's why in 1 John chapter 4, St. John, you know, the disciple of love, when he's describing love in that chapter, he says in verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. The truth is, Jesus could show up in obvious splendor, but that doesn't guarantee that we would trust him. I bet we probably fear him. And for others, they probably develop a deep hatred, disbelief, calcifying to deep hatred. Either way, a relationship of love would be out of the question. And that's why Jesus came to us vulnerable, meek, and mild. He came as a baby. He came as a human so that we wouldn't fear him. He wanted to gently invite us to persuade us by his beauty and his grace. 
And that applies back then and applies today. And here's a single fact. Jesus came to the earth, and when he was born and he lived his life, he fulfilled so many Old Testament prophecies pointing to who he was. So that if anyone takes the time, you can have persuasive evidence that Jesus is who he says he is. And there's other evidence, powerful evidence that Jesus is the only way to God. The fact is, Jesus came to us as a wandering teacher and a preacher, a healer and a forgiver of sins, a vision of welcome and love. Really, he's only daunting to those who have their own agenda to enforce on others. Because when you read the Gospels and you see Jesus' life, Jesus is not daunting. He's persuasive. Jesus came, the Son of God, God himself, and he didn't come to a single individual, like some hermit to another hermit, you know, revealing now, arcane truths. He came to a group. He came to a community, women and men together, the disciples. Not individualistic, relational. <coughs> and this is the answer to Judas's question. When Judas asked, well, God, why aren't you just showing yourself to everyone? Jesus says, I am. In you, in you, in you. Because God is made visible in the community of Jesus. Do you want to see God more and more? Do you want to see God's evidence and reality and power in this world? Share his gospel with others. Invite them into the family of Jesus. Because it's in each other that we see more and more of God. You know, in his book, The Four Loves, C.S. Lewis shares about the death of his friend Charles. And when his friend passes, well, he thinks, Charles has passed away. At least I'll have more one-on-one time with my friend Tolkien. I'm going to have more of Tolkien with me. A kind of a silver lining, perhaps. But then... He writes that he came to realize that instead of having more of his friend Tolkien, he actually had less. And this is what he writes. Now that Charles is dead, I shall never again see Ronald's, Tolkien's, reaction to a specifically Charles joke. Far from having more of Ronald, having him to myself, now that Charles is away, I have less of Ronald. Do you want to see more of God? Share the gospel of Jesus with others because as your neighbors, as your friends are in relationship with Jesus, seeking him, hearing Jesus' voice, their unique journey with Jesus will show you something you would have missed without them about God. But it starts with you sharing the hope that you have in Jesus. St. Paul makes that clear in Romans chapter 10. This is what he writes. How then? Can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? Now, reading that, you might be thinking, well, have I been sent? Well, let's hold that thought. He finishes that. He finishes as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Good news. Have I been sent? Have you been sent? It's kind of the question right now. Yes, we've all been sent. 
And being sent, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. Recall the Great Commission. Jesus says to us, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And what was Jesus' answer to Judas? Verse 23 of our reading today. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. I know this is a challenge. No doubt. But people are out there yearning for God. And often they don't even know they're yearning for God. They know they have a, a hole in their hearts and their souls. And they're trying to satisfy that with all kinds of things. I live in Banff. A lot of people there, it's with... Uh, Drinking substances, hooking up, all kind of partying. They're trying to satisfy a need for God, the whole host of things. And if it's not that, the other end is materialism. Great vacations, being on the hills, enjoying the Bow Valley. Incredible comfort. That's also a way of satisfying a God hunger with things. Because the truth is all of us, whether you're one of those extremes or somewhere in the middle, we're hungry to know God, to be, to be known by God, and to be loved by God. Just like Lydia in our Acts reading. Lydia from Acts, she was a seller of purple cloth, it said. Do you know who she is? She's wealthy. She's successful. Because a seller of purple cloth was a very successful person because making purple cloth was exceedingly difficult and expensive. I looked it up. It comes from snails. It's a whole process. It's wild. It was so rare that in Roman times, only the emperors and Roman elites could wear purple to keep the lower classes in their place. So Lydia, she has wealthy patrons. She's got it made. Lydia was really successful. You've got to think of her as a female CEO in a time when women almost never attained any position. So she's really impressive. And you have to think, she has it all. But clearly there is something missing because she's searching. She's called, in the reading, a worshiper of God, which is almost a technical term for a Gentile worshiping in the Jewish mode. She's, she's gone beyond everything she knows to follow this obscure desert God of a conquered people. She is looking for God. And she's spending her time opening the Hebrew Bible, looking for answers. And there she is, part of that prayer group by the water. And then Paul shows up. And what does Paul do? Well, he doesn't stay quiet. He doesn't equivocate nervously, right? He doesn't sort of sit back and say, well, you know what? Always are always to God, so I'm just not going to say anything. He doesn't do that. He begins having a conversation. And it says that Paul shares his message. And what was that message? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, Lydia was a worshiper of God, so she knew the Hebrew Bible, that God made us to love him and trust him, but that we rejected God. But that God loves us so much that he didn't give up on us. He came to humanity and he rescued his people from slavery and gave them his holy law. But she would have also known that the people of God failed to live up to God's law over and over again because God is holy and can only accept perfection. 
to his uh, adherence to his holy law. And she would have known that. And that's all she would have known. She would have been aware that there's a conundrum and an unsolved issue at the heart of human history in our very lives. God is holy and we've, we've broken our relationship with him. So what's the answer? And there she is going to that prayer meeting by the water with a giant question mark. And Paul shows up and they have a conversation. And I bet you this is what Paul would have said. Lydia, let me give you the key to understanding the Bible you're reading. You don't need another rule. You don't need another law. All you need is Jesus. Because Jesus came to fulfill the law. He lived the life that we should have lived. And he died, the, he died in our place so that his death and his resurrection, there's made possible for you and for me to have a relationship of life and love with our creator. That relationship that we were meant for. So trust in Jesus. And it says, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. We don't know about the others present, but we know that the gospel of Jesus landed in Lydia's heart. And she was baptized, her and her household. They came to faith because it was beautiful to her. When Paul shared about Jesus, it resolved the tension in her heart and they clicked. Oh, wow. I see now. I get it. My friends, what Paul shared in that little prayer group by the water, that's what I'm sharing with you right now. This message is for everyone. It has to be shared. The message of Jesus is even for the very religious. Because Lydia was super religious, but she needed the gospel. And thanks be to God that God brought Paul to that prayer meeting by the water and blessed Paul that he was obedient to the call of Jesus and he opened his mouth and he shared the good news. So the question for us today is this. What spaces, what rooms, what gatherings by the water is God bringing you to? Are you sharing the gospel of Jesus indeed? Wonderful. That's beautiful. Are you also sharing it in word? Listen, maybe you feel you don't know how to do this. I actually, Seth, I don't know how to share in a one-on-one conversation. That's okay. If that's you, let's meet up. We can learn together. If you want Jesus to show himself We need to obey Jesus and share his message with others in a credible, winsome, and effective way for our great good and for God's greater glory. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you so much that you've come to us in our loneliness, in our brokenness, in our um, Nervousness over sharing your word. You come to us and don't leave us alone. And you've gifted us the power of your Holy Spirit to share your love with others. And God, I pray for the Lydia's in this room that your word is landing in their hearts. I pray that your love may be perceptible by them in a special way this week. I pray that we have conversations this week about how to share our faith with others. God, we want to see you. 
in our world and in our lives. Help us to share your message of love. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.